right. Hey, listen, I am so excited that we're jumping into this again. Uh, we're in this series called Blind Spots, and um, we're in a, we've been looking at these areas in our lives that are one of those things that need to be exposed, but we don't see them right away. So we've been looking at different blind spots over the past several weeks. We've been looking at blind spots like anger. You know, I know everybody was really happy after that one. Um, we looked at jealousy, you know, we've been looking at these things, and here's why it's important that we come together and do this, because what we want to do is we want to come and allow Scripture to shine light on areas in our life that are hidden from us, because only after the Word kind of brings light to these things can they begin to change, can we begin to actually see what's going on. So that's why we're doing this series, and wherever you're joining us from, we're excited that you've been following along too. Quick shout out to my family in Statesboro. I just hear some cool things happening there. Let's give it up for some cool things happening in Statesboro, by the way. Yeah? <clears throat> Launched a Wednesday service. So that's exciting stuff. So we're in a blind spot, and the one we're talking about tonight is called greed. Everybody say greed. This is the one that, oh man, just feels bad when you say it, you know what I mean? Um, but here, I, so this past Tuesday, I was meeting with some buddies of mine. Um, you know, one of them, it, he's a owner of a gym and he's a coach. And so um, we kind of get together and we're talking about life. And honestly, I've asked him to help me with health because apparently that's a big deal to the medical world. And so, um, and for your family is also important. Um, so if I fail, he fails. So that's why we're in this together. But we're talking, and one of our friends was telling us, he went up to Atlanta this past weekend, and he was just, they went to Linux Mall. How many of you have heard of Linux Mall? It's a really fancy, high-dollar, kind of crazy mall in Buckhead, Atlanta. And so he was there just kind of like, I can't believe this place exists, you know, kind of thing. And what's crazy is, while they were there, um, they were... They were a part of a shooting happening. I said that wrong. They were not a part of the shooting happening. They were there while a shooting was happening. And so here's what happens. They come in and they see everybody kind of running away. And so they're like, we're getting out of here too. A few days later is when they see the headlines on this thing. Apparently what happened is there was a guy in the food court. Someone tried to take his watch, which was a Rolex, and he ran. And so they chased him. And they came to the parking deck, and the guy um, who was stolen from pulled a gun on the guy. And about this time, this is when the police show up. And so the police go to the guy who was stolen from who now has the gun and says, Sir, put the gun down. And he says, Not going to happen. And so then they take him down. And so here's what happens. This craziness. This guy who was stolen from and now shot and now in critical condition, his day was flipped upside down. This was a complete disaster. When he was telling us this story, I was like, I cannot believe that this is actually happening in our world. I cannot believe that this would take place because here's why I share this story. At what point, at what point did we begin to value the human life less than a Rolex? How does that make sense? How did we get to a place where gaining stuff is now considered worth taking the life or the fact that someone doesn't have stuff, they would think about taking their own life or they would think about compromising their integrity or they would think about giving up on, at what point did this value system change? You wanna know how it changed? Greed. Greed has taken hold. It has twisted our thinking. See here, 
Greed is the thing that takes hold of us and it drives us to reach out and take hold of something that we think will satisfy. It's this thing that just grips us and it forces us to run after these things. And the problem with greed is that it's built on lies. It's built on lies. And, and so let's do something real quick because I know for many of us, we're sitting here going like, man, so-and-so really needs to hear this message. Um, if you're like me, you jump into a lot of messages and you start thinking for other people real quick. Um, I want us to, to discipline ourselves to like start here, okay? Start with your own heart. Let's see if this is something that God needs to shine light on for us and then we'll be able to sort through how to help other people see this thing. So, because honestly, I didn't think this was a thing for me. I'm like, I, I don't, I, why would greed, I don't think I make enough for me to be greedy, <laughs> you know? It's like, I don't see this one happening, but here's, here's what happens. Greed is one of those things that you drift into. I didn't see it happening. Because I can remember the days where we were living paycheck to paycheck going like, God, if you don't show up, we're gonna have to come up with another plan. Like if you don't provide, we're gonna have to sort through this. But because of his blessing, because of discipline in our life, because we're saying never again are we living beyond our means, never again are we doing certain things. So now there's cushion in our life and I've realized that the way that I see stuff has drifted. The way that I want things is changing because this is a blind spot that we drift into if you're like me, you might find that you're in that place too. So start here. Start and let the word shed light on your own life. And then let's see where we can go from here. So we're going to go jump into the scripture. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Then if you're crazy, we're going to jump to Matthew 6. If you want to hold both places, you can go ahead and get an early start. But Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be reading from because Jesus actually addresses this head on. And so if you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. We're going to put passages up here. I want to encourage you as a church, listen, as a church, we are built on the word. All right, you get that? That means like we live according to these words. We would even say these things are living and active the, the words of Jesus, the words that we find in Scripture have the ability to make sure that your life is built on something solid. So if you don't have a Bible, we will help you get a Bible. But if you do have one, read it. Bring it with you. Engage the text because it helps you build a foundation. And you need this foundation, especially in a world that thinks that taking a life is worth a Rolex. This gives you something solid. So Luke chapter 12, we're gonna pick up in verse 13. Here's what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, so apparently Jesus, he was a party starter. Everywhere he went, crowds just followed him. It was kind of crazy. So someone in the crowd said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Here's the guy who's like healing people, raising people from the dead. He speaks and amazing things are happening. And this guy shows up and says, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. All right, you just wasted your chance, but okay. So Jesus replies. He says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So here's the story. There's this crowd. Jesus is speaking to them. Here's where me and you are. We're the one who raised our hand and said, hey, tell my brother to share the inheritance. We're that guy. 
We're the one who says, if only someone of influence would step into my world and change my circumstances, everything would better be better. If only something happened and I was going to magically get a bunch of money and all my debt was taken care of and I wouldn't have to worry about, then my life would be better. We're the people who are going, life isn't fair. Somebody do something. That's what this guy is doing. That's who we are in this story. But notice what Jesus does. He doesn't actually engage the question. He provides a new direction. He does this all the time. Sometimes he answers questions with a better question because the question you asked was not a good question, so he gives you a better question. That's how he deals with a lot of people. But sometimes he goes, we're not even in the right ballpark. And he says, we're going in a new direction. Here's what he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now listen, we're not just talking about money when we talk about greed, right? We're not just talking, so money and possessions are definitely a part of that, but some of us are greedy for experiences. Some of us are greedy for acknowledgements. Some of us are greedy for likes. Like if I don't get enough likes, my self-worth feels off. Some of us are greedy for information. Some of that, for some of us, that looks like degrees because we think that if I have enough degrees, then maybe someone will approve me. But if, if I have this behind my name, then maybe someone will, then I'll know what living is really like. So greed has a lot of different forms. And so he says, be on guard against all kinds of greed. And then he says this, because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus is exposing the blind spot in this guy. He says, you think if, you, if your inheritance situation was solved, you think if you got all this money, things would be better for you. You think everything would change and your life would be awesome. And Jesus is saying, that's not gonna happen. It won't. Stuff is never enough. And so here's what Jesus does. The word he uses for greed is this. Play on exia. Everybody say, play on exia. Play on exia. There you go. It's, it's just kind of fun to say. It's a compound word, though. Here's what it means. It means play on is more. Echo is have. So this idea of greed is I desire to have more and more and more. He says be on guard against this desire to have more and more and more. Because here's the reality about desires. They they're infinite. They're never satisfied. Right? You eat a burger at Five Guys and it's amazing. Guess what happens that night? You're hungry, right? You eat, you get hungry again. You get thirsty, you, will, you, need, you drink and you will be thirsty again. Our desires are never fully and finally satisfied. They are infinite. Think about that. Within every human is something that is infinite. Their desires. You know why? It's by design. So that your soul would thirst for only one who is infinite, who can actually satisfy your life. You were designed to desire a God who is infinite. That means that as much of you want of him, he has more. As much relationship you want of him, he has more. He will always provide, he will always satisfy, he will always protect, always take care, always give you exactly what you need because he is an infinite God who can actually meet your infinite desires. The problem is we put temporary, finite things and hope they will satisfy an infinite desire and it does not work like money. And we wonder why there's so much brokenness. But all these things 
will leave you disappointed after a little while. So part of the reason greed is a blind spot is because in many ways it's, not, it's aligned to a false set of values. So our culture says things like more is better, right? And when you get more, you convince yourself, I'm succeeding in life. The problem is that our culture has a set of values that don't align with the kingdom. They don't align with the ways of Jesus. And when those values don't align with the ways of the kingdom, those values do not work. Listen to this. I just finished a book called Lost Connections. I'd encourage you to read it. It's a book about anxiety and depression. The author is an atheist. He's, he doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't uphold scripture as valuable. But I think his insight is incredible. It's this book called Lost Connections. Here's what he says. He connected the dramatic rise of depression and anxiety um, to the cultural value of materialism in Western cultures. He actually says things like this. The more you think life is about having stuff and superiority and showing it off, the more unhappy and the more depressed and anxious you will be. Listen, this guy, he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't care about what the Bible says, but he's saying exactly what Jesus said 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, life does not consist of possessions. It doesn't consist of an abundance of these things. And so Jesus then goes on. Remember, the guy says, hey, can you please tell my brother to share the inheritance? And Jesus says, I got something better. Let me tell you a story. So he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear, tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger ones. I find this kind of ironic. Over the last couple years, do you want to know one of the fastest growing businesses in America? Self-storage. Why? We need bigger barns. And so it says, there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself at that point, you have plenty of grain laid up for years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. All right, so we're going to hit pause real fast because we need to see why greed is such a blind spot, blind spot for us and gets us stuck. What did the man just say? He said, okay, if I do this, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to find place to store. If I do this, then I will be happy. Then I'll have everything I need. I will be able to do all that I want. I can eat, I can drink, I can be merry. He says, if this happens, then I will be satisfied. And all of a sudden, he's caught in this tension of if, then. This cycle of if, then. If I get the inheritance, then I will be secure. If I get this job, then I will be valued. If I'm in this relationship, if I get these likes, if I do this, then I will finally know what living is like. This vicious cycle of if and then. And I don't know how to break that cycle other than generosity and contentment. But I was thinking of somebody who's like, who is a person that is caught in this cycle of if, then? And it's this guy right here. See if we got it right here. Schmeagle. Right? You know this guy? If you don't know this guy, what are you doing? You got, it, you got some movies to watch. Okay, so this is Gollum. Right? He had spent an entire life running after what? A ring. 
He's running, if I get this ring, everything will be better. If I get this ring, then I will have power. If I get this ring, then all my life dreams will come true. If, then, if, then he's trapped in this. He's driven to madness by his desire for the ring. And so when you watch this movie, you think, man, I can't believe that guy. I can't believe he would waste his life in this cycle. But what do we do with people today in America who are like that? driven to madness, we promote them, we honor them, right? We say things like, man, look at that work ethic. Man, look at that drive. We say like, look, she's the first one in and she's the last one to leave. Now look, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard. All right? I'm not saying that I'm against work. I think that is unbiblical and I think it is sinful because we were created for work. Listen, work was part of humanity before sin was. And it's going to be a part of our existence after sin is finally done away with. We were created to work because it honors our creator. We were designed for this. That's why Christians everywhere should be the best in their field because we were made to work and work well because we're working for Jesus, not something else not money okay so I'm not against that but here's what I am against here's the question who are you working for are you working for God or are you working for someone or anything else see I think sometimes we have such a limited perspective on what it means to live look at what John 10 10 says it says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy I have come that you may have what life and life to the fullest. Other translations say life abundantly. See, the evil in our world tries to steal and kill and destroy. Do you know how? The devil steals by giving. The devil steals from us by giving you something to take hold of that is far less significant than what God is making available to you. So you're running after things of insignificance while God is going, do you know what I have in store for you? In God's kingdom, here's what's interesting. The way that we gain life is by giving. Look at Matthew 16, verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their lives, right? Whoever's going to work hard and make sure they're secure and everything, and they're going to do those things, those are the ones who lose it. But whoever loses their life, for me, what happens? They find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? Remember the devil steals from you by giving. He says and promises, I will give you the world. But what he doesn't say is it's going to cost you your soul. And God says it's different. I wrote the rule book on the universe and you need to play by my rules. To gain in the kingdom, you gain by giving. So how many of us would exchange anything for our soul? Again, in the kingdom, we gain by giving. But let's jump back to our story, okay? So Jesus tells a story, the man who said, I'm gonna build bigger barns. I'm gonna provide security for myself. Verse 20, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life has been demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Greed makes everybody think about who? Themselves. 
Greed makes us all think about me. And when it's all about you, you become blind to others and blind to what matters. And so look what, how he wraps this thing up. This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So what is Jesus saying about greed? You ready? And we're kind of all around it the whole time. But greed is the thing that takes hold of us and it drives us to take hold of something else that we think is going to satisfy. But when we take hold of it, we get stuck. Because greed is a trap. It's promising you a better future. But what it does is it steals from you your future. So what do we do about this? We're actually going to jump to Matthew 6 now because we're in the same teaching that Jesus is giving. And he's going to give us three questions to think about. So if you've got a Bible, or you've got to jump over there to Matthew 6, verse 19. Here's what he says. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Like, don't waste your time doing this. Because that's where moth and vermin destroy. This is where thieves break in and they steal. Okay, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's number one question for you. You ready? For which kingdom are you living here and now? Which one are you living for? Because Jesus says one is going to satisfy and the other will not. One is going to last and the other will not. And earlier in Matthew, Jesus is actually saying, like, the kingdom's already started. We're not talking about lay up treasures for heaven for one day when you die, then you'll reap all the reward. He's saying, like, I have brought the kingdom to you. When Jesus stepped on the earth and then stepped on the cross and then broke through death and the grave, he said, the kingdom is now here. It's not finished, but it is coming. And so he is saying, live for the kingdom here and now. But the kingdom is interesting for us. Because if you're like me, I never grew up in a place that had a king. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what it means to honor the king. And so here's maybe a way that's helpful for us to think about it. Think about it in terms of citizenship. If you are a follower of Jesus, your citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship is under God. Therefore, your values, your pursuits are determined by the reign of heaven. All right? So you're citizens of another place. That means the earth. That means our world. That means our culture should feel odd to us because we are rooted in another place. This is why in Matthew 6, he says, at the end of this section he's teaching, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things are going to be added to you. He says, so many of us are running after these things, and he says, if you just flipped it, if you just lived for my kingdom, if you just lived as a citizen of heaven now, all these things you're worrying about, I would give them to you anyway. You're worried about food, I would provide. You're worried about clothes, I'm gonna provide. You're worried about security, I will provide for you. But seek first, this is about priority. Are you first a citizen of heaven or a citizen of earth? I love the way C.S. Lewis says this. He says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Aim at heaven and you get them both. He wrote the book on our universe. It's helpful to listen to what he says. So the first thing that Jesus teaches us is he asks, what kingdom are you living for? 
Then he goes on in verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, and this word actually comes from the root that means generous, which I think is kind of interesting. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So here's the next question he asks. Are your eyes healthy? How do you see our world? Even more literally, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the things of heaven? Are you scrolling through the things of the world? Are you setting your eyes on Jesus or something less? What Jesus is saying, for many of us, this is where we have a blind spot. And if we don't sort out this blind spot, it's going to continue to create more and more darkness for us. You see, money as we see money as security and identity. The irony with it, though, is we now are a more insecure people than ever, and we have no clue who we are. So obviously this is not working. Our seeing is off. Because how you see determines what you do. Citizens of heaven don't look at stuff the same way the world does. You see, going back to the very beginning illustration about that whole weird situation at the mall, we're not confused about the value of life. We're not distorted in our thinking that in some way these things are equal. Because we know that every person we set eyes on was created in the image of God. Their value is determined by their creator. All right? We're not confused because our values are aligned in our, with our citizenship in heaven. Jim Elliott one of, is a missionary. He's one of my favorite um, people that I've just looked to for a long time and thought, if I could be like that guy, that would be amazing. He had healthy eyes. So Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador and was actually murdered on the shores of Ecuador because he believed in shedding the light of the gospel to those who were far from Jesus. And so here's one of the things that he says. I love this quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Think about that. You build bigger barns, you put your stuff in there, that night you die, and it goes to someone else. You can't take it with you. It never lasts. So Jim Elliot says, he is no fool. She is no fool to give what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. He had healthy eyes. You see, he might have lost his life early, but he was one of the few who actually knew how to live if you have the right eyes. Let's keep going. There's one more question we need to get to. Verse 24, here's what he says. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus puts a name on it. He says, look, you cannot serve both God and money. You see, our greater problem is not that we find ourselves in a situation where we're picking God or money. For us, the biggest problem is we think that we can in some way have God and the things of this world and that Jesus is just going to be okay with it. We think that we can have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth and that our God's going to be fine with it. That's not how it works. By choosing both, by holding hands with God and hands with the world, you're actually saying, Jesus is not enough for me. Which is why he raises this question. 
He says, do you trust that Jesus is good and that he is enough? You can't serve God and money. So do you trust that when Jesus says he is good and he is enough, do you actually believe that? Are you living according to that or something less? I love how N.T. Wright describes Jesus' kingdom, all right? Listen to this. The kingdom of God is at its heart about God's sovereignty, sweeping the world with love and power. So the human beings, each made in God's image and each one dearly loved, loved dearly, may relax, listen to this, they may relax in the knowledge that God is in control. That doesn't come from serving money. There's no relaxing. I mean, look at your, think about your own life. When is the last time you relaxed because of money? <laughs> if I look at my own life, I'm like, that's one of the things that stresses me out more than anything else. But for those who serve God, we have been given this great gift of relaxing and the knowledge that our God is in control. You see, for many of us, we're stuck because of greed. And as a result, we're missing what Jesus actually is making available to us. All right? So I want to wrap this thing up, um, but I'm going to do it. Uh, I need some help here. So I want to invite you guys. Come on up. They're going to help me out. This is Cliff and Joshua. You can make some noise for them, by the way. <clears throat> Cliff, go ahead and stand. Come stand right here. Come stand right here at the table. Joshua, you just stand right here. Okay. So we've been talking about greed a lot, um, and, and I know you guys are tired of it, but here's, here's what greed is. Again, greed is the promise that if you take hold of what's in there, it will bring life. But what happens? You get stuck, right? You know this illustration. You've seen this, right? Probably haven't seen such a buff man doing it before, but, you know, um, <laughs> you're welcome, I guess. Okay, so, so this is what greed does. It makes all kind of promises that if you just take hold of this, life will be better for you. But it gets you stuck. But here's where greed is a blind spot for us. Cliff, I would like you to take hold of that. Don't let go. But I would like you to also go be with your son. See, this is where, this is where greed deceives us. Greed promises that I can give you something very important. I can give you life. But what greed actually does is it keeps you from actually living. It keeps you from what's most important. This is what happens. Okay, now, you can go ahead and let go of that. And I want you guys to flip spaces real quick. Yeah. Can you let go of that? Okay. Let go of that gold bar. All right, there you go. Yeah, you go stand over there. All right. Now, we're going to trade spots real quick. Pete Scazzaro, he's a guy who founded something called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Here's something that he says that I think is amazing. He says, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. You know what he says by that? He says, there are things that have been passed on to you from generation to generation to generation, right? And we have to deal with that. So Josh, if you were to imitate your father, what would you do in this situation? So here's, here's what I want you to see. Cliff, is this what you dream for your son? Not at all. Is this, is this what you would call living? Because what happens is we live this way, and as a parent, we're stuck and we're trying to pull those things. But as a parent, we're saying things like, I just am doing this for my kids. 
I just want them to have what I never had. I don't want them to experience those same kind of things. But the reality is that I'm pretty sure a child would want their father. I'm pretty sure that a child would want their mom to be present with them. All right? But then our kids grow up watching our example and then they go do it the same way and we wonder, why would you do such a thing? Why would you do this? Because this isn't living. You're stuck. You're trapped. And as a father, you're sitting here going like, this is not my dream for you. Well, here's the reality. Jesus said, I came that you might have what? Life. His dream for you is living Not just existing, but living abundantly. So your father has a dream for you. He has something he wants for you, but you can't hold on to greed and take hold of the dream your father has. It's impossible. Won't work. So here's the deal, and you can let go of that. Thank you. Here's what you have to do. You have to choose. You can let greed continue to take hold of you, Or you can take hold of what God has for you. That's your choice, all right? So thank you guys. Let me pray for us, all right? Here we go. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you're doing in and around us. I pray that for some of us, you know, if this is a blind spot that we've been struggling with and dealing with, God, help us to see it and teach us how to let go of citizenship here on earth and take hold of citizenship in heaven where you reign, where you set the rules, where we follow your lead and where we discover what living really is. So help us with that, Jesus, we pray in your name alone. Amen.